Good morning. Good to see everybody here at our main campus. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. So just two quick announcements before we get started. First one is Discover Life. Uh, so if you're new uh, here at Life Church, or if you've been coming a while um, and you're trying to figure out, like, is this is a place that I want to stay? Is this a place that I want to make my home church? We would recommend coming to Discover Life because it gives you an opportunity to kind of get the backstory. You know how Life Church got started what we're about, what our value systems are, the things that we're uh, gonna stand on, the things that we're going to uh, talk about, the things that we're gonna value. Um, and then you can make a decision from there. Is this a place that I wanna stay? So you can sign up on the app, sign up online. We'd love for you uh, to be involved. You'll see the dates there. The other thing is, is that this um, has affected a lot of people in our community uh, lately, and that is suicide. Um, suicide has been something that has had a big effect on our community and a lot of people in this community. And so the question is, how does the church respond? Like, what are the things that, that we need to do? Um, and so there's going to be a QPR training here um, at Life Church, which gives you the tools to be able to work with people that are struggling uh, with uh, decisions or things that they're going through uh, that are uh, contemplating suicide. So we would love, uh, it's one thing to sit back and say, we're going to pray you know, and we're going to, you know, uh, do the best we can to help. It's another thing to be prepared to be able to help, right? And we think that this training uh, is a great opportunity for everybody to get together, learn, so that if you're ever put in that situation, um, that you'll be able to respond or help in the best way uh, possible. So again, they can get online too, same thing, on the app and, or online. You can sign up uh, to be involved in that. It's open. We'd love for you to get signed up so we can decide how much space we're going to need and what we're going to uh, need to do uh, for that. All right, so our new, uh, not our new series, the series we've been called Live Different. Um, and so again, if you haven't uh, seen any of the previous messages, uh, we just uh, ask you, go on our app, go back online, watch uh, the previous messages because they all kind of build upon each other, but all on this foundation, right? That if you're going to call yourself a Christian, then we should live, live different than the rest of the world. Now, here is my greatest fear. So if you've come to Life Church for a while, you know, somebody asked me like, what is my greatest fear in life? My greatest fear in life is for the people that I have influence on, right? That would be the people that are in Life Church, the people that are watching online, the people that would garner any type of wisdom or influence from me, my family, the people around, that someday when they stand in front of Jesus Christ, they'll be surprised. That's my fear right? Because I know what Scripture says. Here's what Scripture says. Many people who call themselves Christians will stand in front of him, and he will look at him and say, I don't know who you are, right? That, that's my fear. My fear is the message, what we teach, the things that we talk about will lead somebody to believe that they're in a the right place, right? Because you know if you've come here, we're not a legalistic church. We're not trying to, you know, say that everybody's going to hell, but we are saying the reality of what Scripture says. And Scripture says that the reason that the path that leads to destruction is so wide and so many people are on it is not because they're choosing it. It's because they're deceived. But the idea is nobody's, nobody, there are people that are choosing hell, but very few people are choosing hell. Lots of people are just choosing to conform to the ways of the world with the label of Christianity to it. Does that make sense? So that's my fear. So the idea is how do we live differently 
in all aspects because that's what scripture says. It's not a suggestion, right? There isn't a suggestion that would say there can be Christians that don't live differently and Christians that do live differently and you can't segregate them and say one's on fire and one's not. If you are a Christian, you should be striving to be more like Christ, reaching people, teaching people, and sending them back out to do the same thing, right? Describe that in any way you want to, but that's, that's the mandate. So today, we're going to talk about suffering, right? Suffering in the world. And I think uh, how we handle suffering um, is something that's, that's significantly important because suffering, and you're going to see this in Scripture, suffering is somewhat what separates people. Like when hard times come, it separates people from what you say you believe to what you really believe, right? Like the hard time comes and you get to this place where you have to make a decision. What do I really believe and what do I not believe? And so a lot of times, responses to people who have went through suffering, right? This is a response or this is, this is something that we feel. God could do something, but he chooses not to. Anybody ever feel that way? Like, God can, why won't he, right? Why doesn't he intervene in this situation? Why doesn't he fix this situation? Why doesn't he, you know, why doesn't he come in? Because he is the God of the universe who raised people from the dead, so surely you could fix this one thing in your life, right? So a lot of response to suffering comes back to is God can, but chooses not to, right? Another response is, is that we know that, that, that God is a God that, that could do all things, but he's at a position where he would not have the power to be able to change it. Like somehow Satan has control of the world, and even if he wanted to, he couldn't come in and change any of the scope of what's happening, right? So that says there's an apathetic God who doesn't care or a God without power. True? Right? If, you, if you respond that way. Here's a God that if we respond that way, we're just saying, and I think... There are people that land in those places. I think God could do something, but I don't think he cares about my wife. I don't think he cares about my kids. I don't think he cares about my daughter. I don't think he cares about my financial situation. I don't think he cares about, or he's a God that doesn't get in the details. Anybody? Right? He's just a God that doesn't get in the details, and all we're supposed to do is just get through this life and get to heaven someday. Right? I'm here to tell you that I think that there's something different. I think our response to suffering does two things, reveals who God is and reveals who you truly are. That's what suffering is, right? That's why suffering, in the context of what we're going to talk about today, really sheds a completely different light on why do we have to experience suffering, right? Let's give you an example. So we know this about human life. Like, we know this about ourselves. We can make decisions, right? So here was one of my decisions. Uh, and it was kind of forced on me, but I was getting a pretty fat and out of shape. It's kind of like the course of the life. Anybody that's been at Life Church for a while, if you watch the videos, you see fat Mike, less fat Mike. You know, it kind of goes like this, you know, because I get in these things of like, holy crap, you know, you didn't realize how far out of shape you get. So I made a decision uh, in December that I was going to try to lose weight and get in shape. Okay, so I'm on this process of making this decision. Well, I'm making this decision on my own, right? So I'm fasting, I'm not eating, you know, near as much as I used to, trying to control myself a little bit, and I'm working out, right? And I'm working out on my own. 
which I think is going pretty good, right? So I think I'm headed down a good path. I think I'm somewhat decent in shape. And then Decca comes up for the weekend, right? So Ricardo says, hey, why don't we do Decca together? Now, I say this because I want you to hear this. Like, I mean this in an all serious way. The reason that I had reservations is because it would reveal the truth about me, and I didn't know what it would reveal. Let's just be honest, right? Like, you don't know. Like, this is what happens in life. Like, you, you stay in your comfort lane. Anybody? Well, you just do that, whether it's health, whether it's finances, whether it's relationships. You do or manipulate your life to never test yourself. Is this, is this tracking, right? Like, you, you organize your life around, I think I'm good, but I'm afraid to put it to the test because what if I'm not? Right? You ever think about that? Like, what happens if I put it to the test and then I'm not where I need to be? Right? Well, this is what you're going to see in Scripture. He allows those things to happen or those tests come because he wants you to realize what you're not so you can strive to be more. Don't be surprised. Right? Because this is the funny thing. If you just put it back to health, like, you can trick yourself into thinking you're okay until you're not okay. Anybody? Right? Like you can trick yourself into believing that, like, I think I'm pretty healthy. I think I can get pretty long. Then you put yourself to the test like yesterday, and you didn't know your heart could beat that fast. <laughs> and you didn't know there was less oxygen in the room when you're doing those things. Like you realize, and so I can make a decision, right? So I can make a decision. So I can retreat back to comfortable, or I can train to be better. That's what he's trying to get done. So in faith, the idea of testing or the idea of suffering is so that we can understand who God really is and that we can also reveal who we are, right? Now, two sides of suffering in the world, and I think one we focus on all the time. Why do bad things happen to good people, right? Why do people get cancer? Why do people get sick? Why do people, you know, that are doing well, you know, financially go backwards? Why do, you know what I mean? Like, why do kids get harmed? Like, these are the types of sufferings that we think about, right? And we tend to look at Scripture when it says suffering. That's the only thing that we tend to look at, right? We tend to look at why do bad things in this world happen to good people, and we're trying to process with God, and this is kind of how we land. Well, we live in a fallen world, right? There's going to be disease, and there's going to be sickness, and there's going to be accidents, and there's going to be cancer, and there's going to be all these things. So we live in this fallen world. There's not much that we can do about it, and so we just have to trust God through the suffering, right? I mean, that's kind of, we, we just land with that, which we're going to get into that, and we're going to talk about it, but I think the thing that we miss, right, I think the thing that, that we forget about is, is that there is also another type of suffering that you are called to when you proclaim Christianity. And it's not getting sick, right? It's not losing money. It's not, it's not any of those things. It is this. If you make a statement, just like I said, I want to get healthy, right? If I make this statement, it comes with a list of things that you need to be able to do. Or you just need to stop saying it, right? Because then it's just talk right? Then it's just like, I want to get healthy, I don't want to, but I don't want to work out. I want to get healthy, but I don't want to push myself. I want to get healthy, but I never want to be tested. Then it just becomes cheap, right? Then it's just talk. Same thing with Christianity. This is what we know. When you sign up, when you declare on the dotted line, 
I am now a follower of Jesus Christ. It comes with a list of not suggestions, but expectations. True? This is true. Whether we believe it or not, there is no such thing that you get a free pass into heaven because you declared Jesus as Lord and Savior and you're never going to live out or follow him. There's no such thing. That's not in there, right? What's in there is pick up your cross, follow me, go down this road, whatever, whatever those things that he said that we need to do, right? So as a Christian, if we're going to declare Christianity, then what you're going to see in scripture, that declaration changes the way you live and you will be tested to see whether or not you believe it. Think about this, money. If you are a Christian, what's the Bible say about your handling of money? None of it's yours, and you are supposed to be extremely generous. Forget about tithing, right? Because everybody can argue tithing, and I would just say tithing is a number to start at. Scripture actually tells you to be generous. None of it's yours. If you have the ability, give it away. Never have somebody in need. You came in naked, go out naked, right? That, that is not a suggestion of a follower of Christ. That's just a mandate. That's who Christian people are. And so what happens, right, in life? So when you don't have nothing, remember this, so I don't have much, and so it's easy to say, God, it's all yours. Anybody, when you lived with nothing, you're like, God, you could just have it all because I hate it anyway. You know what I mean? Like when we first owned the trailer that we were living, I'm like, God, you could take that sucker back tomorrow. (laughs) You know, the shower used to leak, and I didn't know how to fix it, so we always measured our shower by how many buckets you had to take out so one person would be under the trailer throwing buckets, you know, while the other person was taking a shower. I'm like, you could have that sucker back tomorrow, right? But what happens when you start to get stuff? What happens when you start to make money? What happens when you start to accumulate things? What do you tend to do? You go from open hands to, it's the test, right? You see, do you see this? Because you know if you're gonna be generous, you know what's gonna happen to you? You will suffer. You know what, what's gonna be the biggest suffering? is because you don't get to spend it all on you and your family. Is that, does this tracking, right? Does this make sense? Right, there is this like, because there is a mandate, but here's what happens. Here's the problem, right? So what happens when that test come? What do we tend to do? Consider ourselves a Christian and run away from the test. True or not, Right? Because we don't see this as a mandate, we see it as a suggestion. So when we wanna stay labeled as a Christian, the test comes to reveal who you are and who God is, because you see how that works with money? What does God say? If, you, if he gives, he's gonna take care of you. So the revelation of if you're generous, what's it gonna reveal about God? That he's the God that he says he is. If you give it away, what does it reveal about you? Where your heart is. Can't serve two masters. Anybody know, right? This is what it says. You can't love one. You're gonna love one and hate the other. So it reveals something about you. So instead of that, here's what we tend to do. I'm a Christian who is just not generous, but they can go together. Can they? Everybody's like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Right, like this starts to get into the things that I'm talking about, right? Like 
The reason that we, that we don't suffer is because we run away from the test. And you know why I think we run away from it? We don't trust God or you don't want revealed what your heart really is. Like you're afraid. Like you're afraid that if I gave, if I'm generous, what are you afraid of? You might run out, scarcity mindset, right? I might run out, I might not have enough, I might not be able to do. And then if you do start to like go down that road, you know what you realize? Like I, I think this, I, I've realized this about myself. Sometimes I could be a greedy person. That's scary, isn't it? Like this is scary when the revelation is, I am a pastor, but I'm like, oh man, I don't want to run out. I don't want to not have enough. I don't want to do. What I should do is the same thing that I did with the deck. You know what it revealed is something that's true about me and I need to do something about it. True, right? Like this is something that I recognize. I need to be able to do something about it. I shouldn't just run away from it. Think about this. You ever have anybody that just completely pisses you off? <laughs> makes you mad? I always forget those things. You ever have anybody that just makes you really, really mad? Right? They do something in your life and you're just like, I'm not gonna talk to them. They hurt me. They did. We're not gonna be able to get together as a family anymore because nobody can get along. Anybody tracking down this road? I'm never gonna be around that person. Okay. If you are a Christian, what does it say about forgiveness? If you will not forgive, will you be forgiven? No, but we wanna label ourselves as Christian people who hold grudges, who won't be around because you've been harmed. You see how this is working? Right? Like you want to label yourself as, I'm a Christian person. Scripture just flat out says, if you are a Christian, you will forgive. Is it easy? <laughs> no. Forgiveness is difficult and it's hard, but do you know what it reveals about you? Right? What does it reveal about you? Where's your heart at? What's going on inside of you? Do we really, are we really going to split a family? Are we really going to split a friendship? Are we really going to go down these roads to call all these things over this? Just so you can be right because they were wrong? Because you know that's what it comes down to. Sometimes we don't want to forgive because then they're going to think they got away with it. Sometimes I don't, I mean, we got to just make sure we punish them so they know you can never do that again. They're going to do it again. It's not up to you. This isn't revealing something about them. It's revealing something about you. Is this, is this, are we making sense this, this road we're going down? Because this is the idea, Right. We look at this suffering and we're like, how will I handle it if my child dies? How will I handle it if I've never handled suffering? I don't really know. And so when you have these messages on suffering, I don't know how I'm going to really respond. I'm like, you should be responding every day because it is hard and difficult to live the Christian life. When you say you are a Christian and choose not to live to the standards, that's the test it reveals. In fact, listen to what it says in Scripture. Jesus addresses this. In Matthew 13, three through nine, he tells a parable and he's talking about these things. Here's what he said. Then he told them these many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path and the birds came and ate it up. 
Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times uh, what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. Do you see what he's saying? Seed is scattered. There are people that are gonna pick up that seed. I'll just paraphrase it. I'm a Christian, right? I'm a Christian, I got it. You, you had the message, you talked about the thing, I went to the altar, I got it, it's plant, you know, it's here. And then all of a sudden, guess what happens? The sun comes out. What do you think the sun's representing? Suffering, right? Like now what you're doing is coming to light. Like you said you were, now we're gonna shine light on it and we're gonna see whether you are or not. We're gonna see how deep is your soil. You see what it's doing, right? Like it's this idea, is your soil right? And what the sun, the testing is to reveal, if your soil's not right, what is gonna happen to the plant? Anybody? Wither and die. You don't get the decision to sit back and tell Jesus that you are a plant in shallow soil, without good soil, when the sun comes out, I'm not gonna wither. No, you are gonna wither whether you believe it or not. Anybody hear me? We can't keep putting these two things together. We can't keep saying, it's flat out. If the soil's good, what happens when, when, when the seed hits it? Grows. Not only grows, what does it produce? Fruit, right? Like that's the idea. If the soil's good, sun, rain, heat, drought, all of that, what's gonna happen? It's gonna still produce fruit. Why? Because it's in the right soil. The right soil is a Christian that understands the expectations of what it means to be a believer. That's the soil, right? Because the one that's in the shallow soil is one that believes that you can claim Christianity without any change. Claim Christianity without doing anything different. Claim Christianity and still live a life like you're a complete heathen. And you know what's funny about it is, <laughs> in the church or in the Christian world, when somebody does that, we just chalk it up to, well, you know, they're just growing and maturing. If you make a conscious decision to accept Jesus Christ in your life and completely rebel against what he tells you to do, is that just growing up? Or is it making a decision or a choice? Right? That, these are the things that we need to think about because, again, Jesus addresses it in Luke. Here's what he says. If you're going to think about Christianity, think about this. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. This is the whole idea, salvation, right? So this is Luke 14. Suppose somebody wants to make a decision for Christ, right? This is what he says. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and it wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one who's coming against him with 20,000? 
If he is not able, he will send a delegation uh, to the other as he's still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. Here's the key to the verse. Listen to what it says. In the same way, those of you who do not give up what? Everything cannot be what? Cannot be what? Is there a difference between a saved Christian and a disciple? If you are a Christian, you are a disciple, period. Now, <laughs> a little like hard to hear. Like if you want to be a disciple, you got to give up everything. Be honest. Or any of you might be thinking, uh-oh. I'm not sure that's what I signed up for. You see, our fear, you know why that, you know why that statement brings a lot of fear in everybody? Because it reveals your belief about God and it reveals the truth about you. Right or wrong? Like if there's a sense of, and I'm admitting this, when there's a sense of like, I read that, I'm like, everything? Everything? And I've had to learn this, and I'm just telling you, this is, this is a period of time. You know, I think I told you guys this a long time ago. You know what? You know what the death of my wife revealed in me? That sometime that I worship my wife over I love Jesus. Because when I read that, that should say, like, I get it. I should be sad that my wife is gone. But the first person, you know, the whole idea of what's really going on in my heart, it revealed there was possibly a worship problem in my life. Not that I shouldn't love, not that I shouldn't care for, not that I should, like all of that stuff revealed something. Do you see what I'm saying? So when we look at that, it's this idea of a revelation. So when he says he might take everything and you're worried, what are you worried about? What are you worried about losing? What can God not do? Right? Like, what can God not do? What are you afraid of? Because here's what I would tell you. If immediately when you read that verse and he says that you got to give up everything, the first thing that came to your mind or the second thing that came to your mind, that might be the thing that he wants to reveal you need to work on. Right? Like, that might be the first thing that you need to think through and you need to work on because that's important. Now, we're going to end it with this. So in 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19, Peter gives us this um, idea. How do you work through suffering? So he's going to give you a real-life example. So these two things that I gave you were a parable and then, you know, this understanding of building a tower and you need to count your costs. First Peter 4 is Peter directly talking to people who are exposed not because of just a fallen world. They're exposed because they chose to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's what's happening in 1 Peter. So in 1 Peter 4, Rome is burning, like a little history. Rome is burning. Nero is the one who built, burned it, but he needed to pin it on somebody. So guess who he pinned it on? You got to guess. You're in church, so guess. Christian people. So this is what they were doing, right? So if you were sitting in that situation and the word around Rome is, if you're a Christian, you're going to get persecuted, and you heard this about your neighbor. You know what they did to your neighbor? They came in, and they raided your neighbor's house. 
They coated them in hot wax while they were still alive, impaled them on a post, and now they're out in the middle of the garden in the center square lighting up the garden. What would you do? Well, I mean, I'm a Christian. I'm just not going to tell anyone. Maybe. Or you know the other thing that they were doing? They were coming in and they were taking kids and they were wrapping them in animal skins and then they would throw them out in the, the, uh, like the place where the gladiators were and they'd throw them out there and they'd let the lions come out while they were alive and eat your children. So you're worried about what God's gonna do with your money. Someday you might have to worry about what's gonna happen to your children. You see the correlation here, right? So Peter says, I'm going to teach you how to make it through suffering. And I've always made this suggestion. I'd rather figure it out with money, kids, discipleship, evangelism before they want to come and take my children. Anybody else? Because this is what Peter's taught. Peter's talking into a group of people that are saying, you know what? And this is their struggle. You know what their struggle is? The same struggle that you had. Man, I wanted to be a Christian, but I didn't count the cost. Holy crap. Right? Like, that's a real reality for them right now. Like, I, I got to think through this. You would do the same thing, wouldn't you? You would sit in your room and you'd sit around a table with your family. Is it really worth losing your child? Anybody? Right? When you sit around with your family and count the cost? That's what they were doing because when they first signed up for Christianity, Rome wasn't burning. When they first signed up for Christianity, it was give your life to Jesus and your life will be changed forever. And there was this expectation of my life's going to be changed forever. Not that my children are going to be eaten by wild animals. Right? So he gives us this model or this idea. So how should we experience, go through, uh, work through suffering so that, right? What you believe about God, this is the important thing. What are we trying to get to? God being revealed of who he truly is and what we believe about him and yourself being revealed and where you really are at. So that, this is what it's supposed to do, remember. So that if you need to change your view of God, get it changed. And if you need to change something in your life, get it changed. That good? Right? Like that's what, it's, that's what this is supposed to do. So here's what he says. Here's the first thing. First Peter 4, you need to expect suffering. Like that's the first thing. First Peter 4, 12 through 19 says this. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to you uh, to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So he said, if you're going to be a Christian, you know what you should expect? Come on, this is the time where it's like, ding, ding, ding. I've been listening the whole time and I know the answer. Suffering, right? Like you should experience or expect to experience suffering so that God can reveal himself to you, right? And you can figure out where you are, for what purpose, to change, to grow. Think about this. Do you remember the story of Abraham? You know, a lot of us hear the story about Abraham, you know, got to the place where he's going to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Like, who in the world could do that? You ever think about that? God said, hey, take your son off the top of a mountain. Have him carry the wood that he's going to be on the altar with. You're going to have to bind him up. Think about this. Take your 12-year-old son, bind him up with a knife and say, can you lay on the altar while I'm getting ready to stab you? 
Anybody? What would it take as a father to take your son with the full intention, God told you to kill him, you're gonna go put him up on an altar. We're sitting there, what kind of faith does it take of a father being willing to sacrifice his son? Well, you know where it started? Here's how it started. Abraham, will you leave the country that you know and will you go to a country that I will promise you? That's the start, right? Yes, God, I'll do whatever you say. I'm faithful, right? Whatever you tell me to do. So they start out on the track, right? They're going down the journey. And as they're going down the journey, the first test comes. You know what the first test was? Hey, we're coming up on this place. And you know what? If they find out that you're my wife, you know, they might take you and we're going to have to lie. And you know, we're going to need to lie about it. I'm going to have to say that you're my sister and that way that we can get through. <laughs> do you see what's happening here? God promised him, I'm gonna protect you, I'm gonna take care of you. Anybody that tries to harm you, I'm gonna harm them, right? Like, that's what he says. And then you get to the first test. What does it reveal about Abraham's faith in God? Is it because he's a bad person? No, it's because it's real. It's you and it's me. When the first test comes, you know what? I'm a little afraid. They might take you. What am I gonna do about it? I'm gonna lie, it's just a little lie. Right, it's, not, it's not that much. I mean, what harm is a little lie? And see, when we do the little lies of life, you never get to the place where God can reveal who he is and who you are, right? When we just try to skirt through all of those things, you never get to see the real you. So guess what happened? He got to see the real me. Holy crap, you know, I need to have better faith. I need to do better. So he keeps going. We're all thinking, surely Abraham's going to learn his lesson. What an idiot. He had an angel. An angel talked to him. God spoke to him. He's getting, like, all these great things are happening. And then guess what? They can't have a kid. And Sarah's like, you know what? I know you heard from an angel. And I know God spoke to you directly, but I think you should just go sleep with your servant. First of all, what idiot man would ever believe that his wife is going to be okay with him sleeping with somebody else? Anybody? Right? But guess what he does? you know what, maybe she's right. And I know God's promise. And I don't know that he really said it had to be through you. You know, he starts going to first test, right? This is a test. So the test comes, guess what happens? He fails the test. He sleeps with the maid servant Hagar. They have a child. It's still causing devastation in the world because he chooses to make that decision, right? All things happen. So he goes down all of these roads and it's test after test after test till he gets to the point where God says, take your son to the top of the mountain and sacrifice him. How was he able to do it? Because every time a test came in his life, it revealed what he believed about God and what he did about himself. What he revealed about God, what he believed about himself. And guess what he did? He changed his view of God and he changed his view of himself. You want more faith? You want to be able to live. You want to be able to be prepared. You want to be able to confirm that you are a believer and that you're not going to be surprised someday when you stand in front of Jesus. Stop running away from the test. Because that's what he says. You should expect it, experience it. And then what he says next is you should exalt in it, right? Exalt in suffering, right? Not celebrate it, but exalt in this way. This is what he says. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the suffering of Christ 
so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. So when it talks about exalt, so anytime a situation comes up in our life where we're being tested, suffering's coming, what do you talk more about, the test or about him? You ever think about that? So when you talk to people, are you talking all the time about the test or the suffering? Or are you talking about the God that's helping you walk through the suffering? You see, because what God wants to do through the suffering is not only reveal himself to you, guess what else he wants to do? Who else does he want to reveal himself to? Right? And what changes? right? What changes is, so when I come up and I'm like, you know what, because this is the expectation I think of everybody, right? So if I come up and I sit with Jesse and I say, hey, you know, Jesse, I got this problem and I got that problem and I got this problem. She's going to see me no different than the rest of the world, right? But if I come up to her and say, hey, Jesse, I got a problem, but I also got a God that's bigger than my problem. What did that just reveal? Something about my, because think about the people that are going through suffering in the world and you can say, you know what? I get it. I have suffering, but I also have a God that's bigger than my suffering. That reveals something to the rest of the world, right? It exalts God to the place that he belongs on, right? He belongs in a place that when we can say, you know what? Yes, I am suffering and I can talk about the suffering, but I'm going to talk about my God because this is what it says at the end of the scripture, who rests on me during the suffering, Right? That's what he says. The spirit of God, the spirit of glory, it, it rests on each one of us during the time of suffering. You know why I can get through it? You know why I can get through all of these times? It's because of that. Suffering's gonna be suffering. I already expect it, but I am gonna talk more about the God who gets me through suffering than the situation of suffering that I'm in. Amen? Right? So that, that's the whole part of exalt suffering. Then he goes on. Uh, in the, the rest of it, he says, you need to evaluate your suffering, right? He says this in the beginning in verse 15. If you suffer, uh, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed and praise God that you bear his name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household and it begins with us. What will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And is it if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly? Look at verse 15 just real quick. Verse 15, if you suffer, you should not, uh, it should not be as a murderer, thief, or criminal, or a meddler. You know what that's saying? You can't create on your own suffering and be mad that you're suffering. You deserve to suffer if you killed somebody. Does that make sense? If you're a thief... There's suffering. There's just consequences to being a thief. If you're going to be a thief, then there's going to be suffering and you shouldn't wonder why God's punishing you. Well, he's punishing you because you're a thief, right? If you are a meddler that stirs up issues, you shouldn't be surprised when the issues bite you in the butt. You know any of those pot stirs? I mean, they're not Christians, Right? Right, like people that just like stir the pot and stir the pot, and they're like, I just can't imagine why everybody's so mad at me. Because you stirred the pot. You stuck your nose in a place that you should have never been. 
You're involved in things. You're meddling in things. You're gossiping about things. You're doing things. And, and, and you're wondering, like, I don't know why they're so mad at me. Because they should be. Right? So he says, you shouldn't be like that. But what you should do when you evaluate your suffering, you know what you should do? You should be thankful in this way. Suffering reveals my right standing with God. Is that, I want to make sure that makes sense. So when suffering comes, whatever the situations are, you know what it reveals about me? You know what? I don't like the circumstance. I don't like what's going on in my life, but I love the Lord. And that will never change. You see, my belief is, is that if I look at the experiences of the testing in my life and the things that I have happened in my life, at no doubt, in my own life, and I'm hoping this for you, there is no doubt that when I'm going to stand in front of the gate, that Jesus is going to welcome me in as a good and faithful servant. Not to toot my horn of anything that I've done, just for the sheer fact that I've been through it, we've been down the road, the testing has come, and I still love the Lord with all of my heart, mind, and soul. And sometimes I wonder, you know, when it says you got to give up everything, I sometimes I wonder how much more you could take. You know what I mean? Like, how much more can you give? How much more can go away? But at the end of the day, I still love my Lord if he takes it all. Right? Those are the things that we get to. So it gives us a foundation that would say, <laughs> I, I count myself blessed that God sees it worthy to allow me to go through the test because then I can be assured of the only thing that matters. You know, the only thing that matters is that I see you again someday in eternity, not how all of this goes, right? Like that's, that's the thing that matters the most. Now, worship team's gonna come back up. I wanna finish uh, with this. The last thing that we need to do, right, or the last thing that we need to process when it comes to suffering is where do you entrust your suffering to, right? So think about what he says here at the end. So this is what he says in verse 19. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good, right? Now, I want you to think about this for a second because this is really important. Like, from an action step of how do I do with, do, deal with this, right? Here's the problem with suffering. Um, a lot of times, you will live the rest of your life with it never being fixed. Anybody? Like you just live in a world that some of the stuff that's happened to you is broken for good. It is. You can't fix some of the things that happen. You can't fix those things, right? You can't fix the pain of divorce. You can't fix the pain of death. You can't fix the pain of, we're on the same page, right? Like you can't fix those things. So what do you do with them? What do you do when those things that can't be fixed, what do we do with those things? So here's what he says. This is why he says it this way. What you need to do is take that and entrust it to the one who will take care of it till you meet him again someday. Do you see that? So I'm gonna take the death of my wife, the loss of this. I'm gonna take the brokenness of a divorce. I'm gonna say, you know what, God, I'm gonna entrust it to you. And you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna keep on going because I still have purpose on this earth. Anybody? 
I still got something to do. I'm still here. This is broken. This is broken, but I'm still here. This will never be fixed, but I still have a purpose. This will never be right. I can't put the vase back together. I can't put the pieces back together, but I'm going to give it to the one who can hold it till I get there someday. But I got a plan. He's got a plan for me. There's a new vase. There's a new wineskin. There's a new way. And I'm going to be used in that new way, in that new wineskin. Why can I go on? Because I don't have to carry what's broken anymore. I don't have to go down those roads anymore. I can just leave it to the one who can take care of it. Leave it to the one who I can entrust it to. Because while I'm still here, he's still going to use me. And every experience, listen to me. Every experience that you have in suffering gives you the ability to reveal the glorious, incredible, wonderful God that we serve and the faithfulness of his people. That's what it reveals. And so my prayer is today, like, listen, stop running. Stop running. Let the test happen. Because I'm going to give you a little insight. So if you run away from the test of money, like, like on your own, like just do it yourself. Guess what happens? Anybody's been there? Let me tell you what happens. He comes and takes it. can't pass some, like these things that he asks you on your own to do, if at some point you won't choose to give them up, guess what he's going to do? Take them back. Because the most important thing to him is not whether you have things or have stuff or do any of this, it's who you trust and who you think God really is. And so whether we want to do it on our own and work through it and be prepared or whether he's going to take it on its own, either way, let's do this church. Reveal an incredible, wonderful, glorious God that has changed our life forever so the rest of the world can see. So we have an opportunity today as a church to be able to take communion together, which is always incredible love uh, that, that we can do that together. And so here's what we do. We take a time of meditation, right? Time to sit back and think. This is a time, right, for you to evaluate your life. And this is my suggestion. Here's my suggestion evaluate who, let God reveal who you really are. Don't be ashamed. Listen, this isn't about shame. This is about change. Right? This isn't about pointing fingers. This is about a reality. Don't be surprised. Go ahead. Let it out today. Let it be revealed. Whatever those things are that need to be different, reveal it and change it. Reveal it and change it. Let God be God. Don't try to hold on to it. And so in the time of meditation, remember, you know why it's worth revealing? Because you had a God that sent his only son to be beaten beyond human recognition and die on a cross for you. He gave everything. And so it's a reminder that when we do communion together, that, that he did that for us, for, for, for his followers, the least that we could do is give him our life back, right? Here's the other thing that, that's gonna happen. Uh, Todd, if you wanna stand up, turn around so everybody can see you. So in the, at, each one of the, 
at each one of the communion tables, there are gonna be, we, we've had this before, but, and it's gonna be an every week thing coming up, but uh, we have people that are prayer warriors. And so uh, they'll be behind the tables at each one of the stations where we're taking communion. My suggestion is if you need prayer about anything, don't wait. You know, I've always said prayer requests are incredible, but so is praying right now. Right? Like just, if you feel led today that you need somebody to pray with you or pray over you, I wouldn't wait to write it on a card. I'd just do it, right? And use these people who are gonna be able to, to pray over you and pray with you. Uh, so if you stand, I'll pray. We'll have a time of meditation, then we can take communion together. Heavenly Father, we love you. Uh, we're thankful for you. We're, um, and again, we're blessed that we're counted worthy. Um, to experience the test. Lord, I'm thankful that many times in my life you've revealed who you are and who I really am. Not for the purpose of shame, but I'm thankful that you shed light on things that I was trying to keep in the dark and that you gave me a chance to change. That you gave me a chance to be different that you gave me a chance to live differently. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And Lord, I pray that today, as we take communion together as a church, as we uh, meditate together, Lord, that, um, that we will remember what you did for each one of us. Lord, we're so thankful for you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So you can either stay standing or seated, whatever you want to do for your time of meditation, and then Corinne will let you know when we come forward for communion.